Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. I'm Marion Nulevant here in Portland, Oregon. And today we have on Ben Croker from Put Your Lights On. Ben, how you doing? I am great. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming to us all the way from where are you, are you where are you currently located? I'm currently living in Austria. Oh, Central very nice. Europe. Yes. Very nice. And uh, we decided to have you on because we want to talk about using Craft CMS as an application framework, specifically Craft CMS 3 and you're somebody that has done quite a bit in the uh, the plugin world. You have some uh, plugin tutorials for Majingo. Um, and you've also got some excellent plugins of your own. Um, and I understand that you also do quite a bit with uh, using Craft as an application framework, right? Yeah. Um, I I mean, the, the plugins themselves are application development, I would consider. But yeah, we can go into more detail and about those definitions and what exactly well, that it. means. Let's define it. What, what the yeah. hell are we talking about? When, let's start with the basics. When we talk about craft CMS, content management system, like what does that mean? So the CMS itself is, well, let's see. Um, craft 3 is now built on Y2, right? And Y2 mm-hmm. is a PHP framework. Uh, Wait, hold on, we, I, I got to do this. I got to do this. <laughs> Ye stands for yes, it is. Does That's it? Right. Yes, it does. When I'm doing this for Patrick, Patrick said that he would have the same reaction that he had off air. Patrick, <laughs> Patrick, you have failed. Well, you, you completely killed the delivery. The, the question is, what does it stand for? Anyway, I, I, I'm still blown away. I mean, I've been now been working with Yi, uh, you know, by virtue of working with Kraft for five and a half years, and I've never heard that it stands for Yes, It Is. Did you do a face palm? I did. No, I... I I, I, well, I have a headset on, so I can't. Um, and th- this is actually making me question your credibility because I said the same thing on the Brandon Kelly interview. <laughs> I don't no, know where you no. are. 100%. Go back and listen to it in the archives. Uh, really? Folks who are listening, if you haven't heard the interview we did with Brandon Kelly, it's actually really good uh, and worth listening to. Uh, well, I think I heard it, but I didn't put the two and two together that you just, yeah. I thought you said, yes, it is. And I'm like, oh, he's just responding. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah that, um, this is making me question craft. But anyway, yeah, when I, well, when I first heard that it was yes, it is. I did a like the marketing guy in me kind of did a facepalm. But uh, Ben, you're saying that uh, in theory it means something else in in Chinese. Well, apparently, according to the wiki page, in Chinese it means simple and evolutionary. Okay, and the fun part about this is my wife is Chinese, uh, and she speaks. Fluent Mandarin, Cantonese, that's not the funny part, no. She speaks fluent Mandarin, Cantonese, Hakka, Hakan, and some other dialects that I don't even know. Um, and I asked her what yi means in Mandarin or Chinese, and she wrote back and said, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm starting to doubt maybe someone just kind of like made that up. You know what I mean? You think better of their marketing people, Andrew. They made that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, that's true. I, I just ding them for not having good marketing people and they possibly they made up yes it is to cover for something else worse. Anyway, anyway, Ben. So yes, Craft CMS is built on Y2. Go ahead. Right. So Craft CMS 
itself is a, a is an application um, which allows you to manage your content and then obviously through templates or through APIs display that content in, in various places. We know it best because we use it generally to um, to power our websites and to manage our content through it. Mm-hmm. So that's what a, a CMS is. Now, um, now I've, I've heard some people have bantered around the phrase uh, or the acronym uh, CMF. What the heck is a, a, con- a CMF? So um, <laughs> I'm guessing you're talking about content management framework. Correct. I've never seen that used, abbreviated as, as that without content management framework. But um, that is the idea that uh, Craft goes a bit beyond being a content management system as we know it um, and uh, is almost evolving to be a framework on which to build uh, content management related applications. Mm-hmm. So a framework generally, uh, we can think of, I'm sure we've used many different frameworks from JavaScript frameworks, PHP frameworks, etc. cetera. Uh, and the idea here is that a, a new type of framework is emerging on which, I mean, I've heard content management framework being used. I kind of think of it as content-driven application development framework. Sure. I know that's, that's a lot of words, but it's kind of web apps that are content-driven, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that rings true to me. I mean, I, I don't see yourself building an alternative CMS aside from, right. you know, yeah, I mean, obviously, technically, you would have all the classes and all of the scaffolding you would need to build your own CMS and throw away their admin and all that. But yeah, content, you know, really content integrated framework is a sounds a little bit more true to me. Yeah, and this isn't really a new concept. Like, um, I think Craft 3 is really um, making us think differently perhaps about uh, how we develop apps because well, we'll probably talk about different frameworks out there and how it compares to those, but mm-hmm. um, you can really build quite complex, uh, quite performant and, and scalable apps on it. Um, yeah, I mean, let, let me tell you something that I did back when I first, um, this was really, it wasn't the first, but it was one of the first projects that I ever did on Craft CMS. Um, so this is Craft CMS 2 back in twenty. 15, maybe something like that. Um, so I was a, a little late to the party, but I ended up writing, uh, basically a, um, software as a service app and wait for it entirely in twig. Oh, <laughs> oh. And, and I remember, um, I remember showing it to, uh, Lindsay DiLoretto in, uh, the craft Slack. I like, I, I pasted in like some code and it was, it filled up like the entire Slack channel with just like twig code that ran this thing. And he's just like, yeah, that's something you probably would want to put into a plugin. (laughs) (laughs) There might be a better way, (laughs) but it's all I'm saying is it's doable. It's, I wouldn't recommend it, but even back then, uh, even without doing, you know, custom PHP development, it, it twig is actually, uh, and the APIs that uh, twig gives you access to from craft, you can actually do quite a bit, right? Oh yeah. You absolutely can, yeah. And since Craft 3, you can you can do even more because uh, Craft 3 has exposed all of Craft's native services to Twig. Right. Yeah, so ironically, you need plugins less in some ways, right? Well, I wouldn't go that far. Um but you can you can certainly do more, yeah, with Twig, yeah. Right. But going back to the 
going back to the framework idea, um, I was saying this isn't really a new concept. It's just craft is craft three has kind of taken it to a new level. But um, I was saying back in in the days of Expression Engine two, uh, at various conferences I was speaking at, I was, I was saying, well, don't think of Expression Engine two as just a CMS. Think of it also as a framework. And mm-hmm. in retrospect, maybe that was um, maybe it wasn't quite mature enough at that stage. We'll, we'll use the word ambitious. Ambitious, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the reason was that uh, Expression Engine, uh, when version 2 came out, was built on top of CodeIgniter, which uh, for its time was a very advanced and very well-built uh, PHP framework. Right. And that kind of union of the CMS plus the framework, in my mind, made lots of things possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, uh, then Expression Engine three came along, and they split off from Code Igniter, and they made them two different products. And then, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, to my dismay. But anyway, regardless of that, it has been possible for a long time to build, uh, let's call them, content-driven applications on top of these CMSs because they've provided this plugin structure, uh, plugin architecture. Right. Or in Expression Engine's case, add-on architecture for quite well, a even, while. E- but Ben, even if you're not making your own custom plugins or your own custom modules or whatever, I mean, I, I have argued this, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that very few people do pure web development these days. You know, you're using some kind of a front-end framework. You're using jQuery. You're really kind of building a, a whole bunch of custom functionality that a lot of a lot of websites are kind of blurring the line between website and app where you're really you're you're really doing custom software development every time you make a website. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you've said a few times Andrew that web development is dead. Right. I, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, I think yeah, just just purely building websites, just website development perhaps, you know, who's doing that these days? We're we're all working in in one right. web app or another. Uh, you know, whether it be craft which is a web app, right? You're building out the web app on the back end. And perhaps it's powering a very small brochure site on the front end, right? which you could call a website. But, you know, the back end is a web app. Yeah. I mean, I guess the reason I am saying it's dead is, first of all, it gets people's attention, right? (laughs) Um, But then also because I I really do think that a lot of the... um, the things that people used to do in web development, like, uh, you know, just the HTML, CSS, and very little, if any, JavaScript. I mean, I think that type of thing um, is going to be taken over by these various uh, builder tools, right? Yeah. Like Webflow, for instance, is actually pretty fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are lots of other things that are, like social media has replaced some things, um, and even medium.com, and you know what I mean? Like there are lots of uh, places where, traditional web development is now using tools or a platform to build stuff um, as opposed to just kind of rolling your own. And most of the people that are paying to have a custom website built, their expectations a little bit higher in terms of the, uh, the amount of custom work that's done. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I mean, web development has evolved uh, so much in recent years. It used to be that, you know, you would touch every aspect of a, a web development build and, you know, you'd know a little bit of everything. You'd be, it was important back then to be a jack of all trades. And these days, right. I think more and more people are specializing, you know, in, in back, whether it be back end, front end, 
Yeah, yeah and an, an analogy that I've made to some non-tech uh, people that I talk to is it, it's kind of like being a lawyer or a doctor. Like, yeah, I mean, there are general practitioners, but most people pick a specific part and focus on that. Like, I'm a criminal lawyer. I'm a trial attorney. You know, I do uh, divorce settlements or I do bankruptcies or, or whatever hmm. because the law has gotten so vast that in order to be any good, you have to specialize. And it, it kind of seems the same way for uh, for web development to an extent, at least to me. Yeah, it's yeah. a good way to put it. I mean, you know, for your everyday cough or cold or you know, even a sprain, you know, you go to your general practitioner. But if it's something right. complex or something that's a real problem and, and you know, you're going to need a specialist. And I think, yeah, that's kind of the way the web's going. Um, you know, for yeah. a lot of small mom and pop places, they can go to a Squarespace or a, yeah. you know, someone who is just, you know, FTPing their files up to the server and doing it old school. But you know, as you get into complex integrations and, you know, dependency management, because you're using these big, you know, you don't want to have to write your own custom PHP for every CRM you want to integrate with, you're going to need bigger and better tools. And yeah, someone has to put a lot of time into learning and understanding those. Yeah, you're building an app. I mean, you know, when I first started using Grunt and then Gulp and then Webpack, I had flashbacks to using make files, right? <laughs> I mean, Marion, I'm sure you're familiar with them, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, all of it. So everything that uh, is new was old again, or however that phrase goes. <laughs> um, but you really are. I mean, you're doing development. You've got build files. You've got a, all the dependencies. You've got all this stuff that comes along with real uh, quote unquote real development. Um, and I think that a lot of, uh, web developers who are designer developers kind of like backed into this and they're like, wait a minute, you know, what the, what the heck happened here? Um, but I do want to kind of circle back to what we were talking about in terms of what can we do with craft to build a, uh, to use it as an application framework and how do we, how do we distinguish between that and just a website? Yeah. Um, that's a good good question. I think it's good maybe that that we kind of <laughs> figure out the definitions uh, and sure. distinctions. Um, so if we say a website is, uh, well, we all know what a website is. But if that if we limit a website to you know displaying static content, so a brochure website where you can click around, you can read things, you can see images, but the amount of interactivity you can have with the website is is limited. And as soon as that interactivity uh, becomes available, um, so for example, what would be an example? Um, well, maybe even like a contact form, right? Right, even a contact form uh, where you submit something, and and or, or like you, um, if there's a re a, um, a restaurant website where you can you know make a reservation or mm -hmm. or or do some sort of interactivity with the website then you need right. something on the back end that can handle that and i think that's at the stage at which it becomes a web app mm -hmm. or in any website where you have you know an account that you can log into and you can you know add things to a list or add things to to your shopping cart that kind of thing uh, and at that stage it becomes a web app uh, which is which is, you know, a piece of software that uh, uses web browsers and web technology and um, communicates with a, a web server somewhere. And in this case, we're talking about uh, how do you do that? How would you build that on Craft CMS? Mm. Use that as a platform. 
Um, because when you're building web apps, you know, the question very often comes up, well, what framework should I use? Very mm-hmm. few pieces of software these days are built, you know, purely on vanilla JS or, or vanilla PHP. Yeah, because uh, for anything hard, it's just way too complicated. Yeah, know? absolutely. And these days, you know, applications are getting bigger and bigger, and uh, we're using object-oriented code more and more, which is a great thing, I think. Um, coming from computer science background, uh, that's what I learned originally, and then I kind of forgot all about it. And uh, <laughs> and now I see it's returning in PHP, which was originally a procedural language. Um, right. But uh, that means that we're kind of relying on these frameworks to help us to structure our code, uh, to write good code, uh, to write reusable code, maintainable code, scalable, etc. All of these things, uh, whereas before maybe that wasn't as much of a priority. So well, let, let me ask you a question, though. So I mean, the interesting thing here is that um, Craft CMS, in some ways, with Craft CMS three, is kind of almost built alongside of Yi. In that, yes, I, I realize that it is built on top of the. Um, the E2 uh, application framework, um, and it kind of builds content modeling and an admin CP GUI in the back end for you. Uh, but when I say it's kind of built alongside it is that you can, when you are creating a plugin or a module, um, you're essentially just creating something for Yi, right? And you can or cannot, uh, as you so choose, uh, access the, the craft APIs. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, that makes sense. Um... <laughs> yeah, to me, I think part Can of I it be is, real? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, to me, I think part of it is that you almost have to have a mindset. Like you're switching away from using the the craft scaffolding that you get with the create project mm-hmm. on Composer, where you know you have index.php and it totally takes control of everything. To maybe thinking right. of it as just one other packages library that you brought in. You know, you may want to use it for your front end, you know, web root rendering. You may want to use it just as the place where you're. Um, you know, you may want to set up another web root folder and, and just get Ajax responses from it and use an entirely different li- library or tool set for building your front end. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, it changes the mindset from, yeah, craft is going to own everything of rendering the content view and running everything. Then think of it as one more library that I'm going to be running. And I, I guess I didn't really complete my thoughts, so I don't, I don't blame you for <laughs> being like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, I guess where I was kind of going with that is like when someone comes to you and they need a custom web app built, one of your choices is that you can uh, build it in Laravel if you want to stick with PHP, right? You could do a custom app in Laravel. Um, you could take advantage of the Laravel Nova that just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, another choice is that you could build the, the same custom app using uh, E2 and leveraging that framework the same way that you would leverage Laravel, but then you also get the admin CP and the content model from Craft for free. And there are some uh, some cases where doing that will just save you a ton of, of development time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a consideration that, I mean, to be honest, I used to you know have to ask that question every time. What is the best framework uh, to use mm-hmm. to build this? These days, I'm kind of trying to find reasons why why craft would not be the right tool. Uh, sure. But that's you know that's just based on the type of projects I take on these days. But you're sure. right. Yeah, um, Yi two is you know equivalent to Laravel, um, and if you're building a module or a plugin, 
Well, a plugin is specific to craft, but if you're building a module, then it could be just a Y2 module um, mm -hmm. and sitting next to craft, yeah. Um, right. The thing, I, I, I've never actually found a use case where I'm building a plugin where I've thought, well, this doesn't need to be a plugin, this can be a module. But they're, they're actually very closely related. Um, yeah, every plugin is a module. Right. And module uh, plugins just add the ability to have migrations that run and to have settings and to be installed and uninstalled. But other than that, you know, it's basically uh, a craft module. And I, I think back to the presentation that Nate Eiler did um, at Dot All last year, where he used Craft CMS 3 to create a, a REST API mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, some various stuff that they were doing. And there wasn't really anything in there that was that craft specific. Right. You know, in terms yeah. of he, he was using the E2 controllers and routers to do all this stuff, but he did it on Craft 3 because he did want that nice uh, content and user modeling kind of for free in the back end. Yeah, you know? that's right. Um, so Craft provides a bunch of APIs and services that you can use, but it's totally optional. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing also is that when I'm, when I'm sitting down uh, to do a custom app for somebody, there's always a question of, well, do I develop a custom plugin or module or uh, do I use a service, right? And it's kind of a, kind of the, the, not conflict, but the decision between the traditional way of doing things, which is, you know, I write my own app and the, the Jamstack way of doing things where, yes, I'm writing my own app, but I'm plugging into services. Mm -hmm. um, and the interesting thing here, at least to me, is that Craft will work either way, right? Like it can be a headless uh, CMS data provider uh, that integrates into your, uh, you know, whether you're using React or Vue or whatever on the front end, uh, and it can work that way. Or um, you can develop the uh, the backend custom in, in PHP, and it, it's super flexible because you can use it in any of these scenarios. Yeah, and that's the that's the beauty of uh, of craft these days that you can use it as a headless CMS. And I think that's mm -hmm. just a, another argument to uh, why it's more of a framework uh, than right. before. Uh, you, as you said, you can do it all with templates with Twig code, but uh, you can also don't don't know. <laughs> I I did it I did it and I I look back at it and I'm like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> like, like really, yeah. I mean, some some things like just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> right. But I think an important question to ask is, um, should I build this, whatever this web app is supposed to do, should I build it on top of Craft or should I just go straight for a framework like, like E or Laravel, which will right. probably result in something less bloated and, and maybe even more performant. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, Craft adds many benefits, uh, especially if what you're building you know, it is a content-driven application. And by that, I right. mean, you know, it has whatever type of content it is. But as, as long as you, as soon as you have to manage content, then you also need to manage that content somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, and the beauty of Craft is that you get this wonderful, intuitive content management experience, um, along with a bunch of other benefits, such as, you know, users and authentication and localization um and in addition to that you also have like a model for 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 your contents um, mm -hmm. i think one huge feature of craft that is often overlooked is element types right 
And um, what element types allow you to do is create this, I guess, content model, um, which is native to craft and which which kind of gives your your content a, a bunch of really useful functionality right out of the box. So, you know, um, for anyone who's not familiar with what I'm talking about, um, you know, entries and users and categories and a couple of other things are element types in craft. And anytime you're on a page that you can, you know, search and filter stuff by and change the order and you have sources over on the left-hand side, that's an element index page. So when you're building a craft plugin, then you have access to, you can create your own element types and all of that functionality comes for free. Uh, you have to do very little in terms of setup, which means that that whole content model, model is there for you. Um, and it's, it's really quite flexible. It's not so rigid. Uh, you can choose, you know, should, should this element type be sortable? Should it be localizable? Um, and specify well, and, and, and Ben, you, <clears throat> you, you left out one of my favorite things yeah. of the benefits of using craft is that you have somebody else that maintains all this stuff. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. you, know, you can definitely roll your own, write your own custom admin stuff, write your own content model, you know, do this, that, the other thing. And yes, um, it's super flexible because you can do exactly what you want, but maintaining stuff like that is, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to have smart people like the the folks at Pixel and Tonic that are responsible for maintaining that and that are adding new features to that and are also dealing with the security issues mm -hmm. that could potentially come up. I love the fact that I don't have to deal with that aspect of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. If you roll, roll your own admin panel or, you know, control panel, then you you have to maintain it, you have to update it, you have to develop it um so all of and what, that and what happens like i've got i got a, a buddy of mine that owns an agency and they built a custom cms uh on laravel and the, you know they did what you said they rolled their own admin panel they did all this kind of stuff and they're using this for all their clients and you know it kind of locks their their clients in which is probably good for them but what happens when they have a you know there's a zero day security exploit and they have to go in and and not only find and fix whatever this is, mm -hmm. but then roll it out everywhere. I mean, it just, it seems like something that um, an agency or even a custom app developer, like just might not want to have to deal with. Right, you know? right. And these are, this is one of the huge benefits of using a product like Craft CMS, because it is a product, right? It's a commercial product and mm -hmm. some people aren't okay with that and that's fine. Um, but the benefits that we get are security updates, maintenance updates, continual mm -hmm. development, uh, extra features being added. And, you know, you buy a license once and yeah, you now you have annual. Do you have annual? Yeah, for the, for the, yeah, yes. you have an annual fees for, for craft now. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, I find for, them, for the pro edition, for yes. the pro. Yeah. Um, but I find that the benefits far outweigh the the cost of a license and the updates oh yeah oh yeah <clears throat> and that's the thing like i know most of the people uh that work at pixel and tonic and they're super smart and i love it's almost like having them on your team mm. you know and brandon kelly specifically is scary smart i mean he really he is, is. Yeah. and having someone like that 
gives me a lot of confidence that, you know, okay, he's, he's working on maintaining this. He knows about developers. He knows what developers needs need. And I, I just, I, I love that. You know, yeah. I absolutely love that when I'm looking at developing a, a custom app that I have almost, uh, uh, smart friends as partners. Yeah, no, sure. Brandon is extremely smart, as are most of the team, if not all. Um, And not just... We're not sure about Andrus. We don't really know about (laughs) Andrus, but everybody else. Yeah, I agree. Right. And they're not just smart from a technical (laughs) point of view, right? They're kind of all around smart, uh, which is what you need. And honestly, they're the most confidence-inspiring team and craft is the most confidence-inspiring software that I've worked in uh, in my entire career, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's probably yeah. why the you know the community is gathered around it, and community is so important for software. Um, and we just see the growth, you know, it's continual growth at the moment. Yeah, which is fantastic to see, um, and also the fact that they ha- kind of have their finger on the pulse, and they know that, for instance, uh, APIs are super important, and that being able to run it headless are mm-hmm. is uh, super important to people, and they're they're on the ball with this stuff. You know? Yeah. So I think we went on a tangent. We were talking about element types and and uh, what craft offers. Uh, we're, we're, I'm, I live on a tangent. <laughs> that is like going off. That is my. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk to Buffalo Bill. <laughs> and so far, nothing. We're going to have to cut out of the recording. So we're doing well. Oh, stop. <laughs> All right, put us back on track, Ben. All right, uh, we were talking about element types. So one of the other thing, of course, which is extremely powerful in craft, and uh, this has to do with element types as well, is that you can relate elements to each other, right? You can have relational mm-hmm. fields. So you get all of this content modeling when you build a plugin for craft. Uh, you can choose to use element types, but you don't have to. You can roll your own um, content models. So... Um, so in my experience, if I'm building a, a web app, you know, my consideration is, well, do I need to work with content? And if it doesn't, then I would look at maybe a lighter framework, uh, Laravel or Yi or Symfony, or there are enough out there. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have to do something with content, especially if you need things like authentication and uh, a management experience, um, right. then Craft seems to me, or let's not say craft, but a a content management system that offers that type of um, framework for building plugins or mini apps on top of is just a no-brainer. Yeah, and and as an example, um, I know there's a a company that I've worked with that um, they're rebuilding what is essentially an application form, right? Mm -hmm. And they decided to go the custom route and they're rebuilding it all and go on the back end and, and view on the front end. And it's all going to work and it's all going to be great. But the one thing they're missing out on is um, they're going to have to build their own uh, admin UI if they want to allow marketing, for instance, to change the form. Or it's going to be a development loop where marketing says, well, we need this change in the form. And then it goes to the developers and goes through that whole development QA stakeholder kind of loop. Um, whereas if they had used a, a CMS, whether it's craft or something else, there are some fantastic form plugins out there that would let them design and change in the backend, the form, and they just click save 
and it would work, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So why would you not? I mean, at the moment, um, also with the with the craft plugin store, which is a huge development, because now we have this mm -hmm. this centralized uh, distribution channel for plugins, and Absolutely. it's created this entire ecosystem um, where you can go and yeah, you need you need like you said, you know, you need a foreign plugin, and you just go and you see what's available, and I'm sure there are multiple foreign plugins available to choose from, and you pick the one that's right for you and you're good to go and if you need to if you need to make customizations to that um it's very simple to to build an extra plugin or a module that extends exactly. the functionality of another plugin so that's one thing that yeah exactly that's one thing that craft um or let's say pixel and tonic um have done from the beginning and that's i'm sure based on their experience they started out as uh, add-on developers in, in Expression Engine. Right. So they know uh, what it's like to be an add-on or plugin developer. So every plugin can talk to every other plugin in Craft. So it's mm -hmm. it's not a matter of changing the, the the core of a plugin. It's also not a matter of you know calling up the plugin developer and saying, hey, please add this functionality. It's just... Mm -hmm. All you need is um, access to the service. Sometimes you will need an event uh, to be triggered right. if you need to plug into some of the functionality. Uh, in that case, you you would need yeah. you would need the developer to make a small change. But most yeah, and and that's what that's what they would do here, right? So this application yeah. form there are there are some custom steps that would happen along the way, um, but they would get the. Uh, the form layout, marketing would be able to go in there and change it. And then for the the few bits that are custom, you just add your own module that handles the the custom logic and kind of away you go. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, part of me is like, why why reinvent the wheel, right? I mean, why don't we leverage all of the work that smart people have done for us? You know? Yeah, we have we have some great developers in in the craft community and. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I built, so I recently put out a, a plugin called Campaign, which does email marketing campaigns. And I had to learn so much about email marketing to do that. Um, so much more, more than you ever wanted. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but if I was to think about building a form plugin now, then I'd have to go learn everything I, you know, about forms that there is to yeah. learn. And other people have done that. So I, I kind of trust their right. expertise and... Um, but I, I do want to circle back to something you said because I think you're spot on. Is that the the advent of the plugin store is a big deal, right? And the reason why I think it's such a big deal is that, you know I used to make uh, iOS apps and I did that kind of stuff. And the sure the iPhone was popular when it was introduced, but really it was the advent of the App Store that caused it to absolutely soar in terms of popularity. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that it can't be understated how important it is to uh, create an ecosystem like this uh, around craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the plugin store has, you know, multiple benefits that it brought. Um, I think from my perspective, the biggest uh, benefit was one-click updating for plugins. Yeah. Because that's, that's, nice. that's a huge thing that I can, you know, you know yep. if I encounter a bug, I can fix it and... Before there was no way of doing that. Uh, before some someone would buy a license, they'd you know they'd get the soft the, they'd get the source code as a download. They'd have to upload it to the server, install it, and keep an eye on the change log. Or I'd have to you know tweet out or I could email everybody who 
bought a license, right. but you don't want to be doing that for each bug fix. Yeah, I, I definitely think the one-click updating is fantastic, but I, at least from my perspective, the most important thing is that it has created an, an ecosystem so that smart people like you are going to go out there and create an actual product, like, for instance, you did with Campaign. And what that what that causes is then uh, agencies or freelancers or whatever who are trying to put something together can kind of just grab that off-the-shelf thing and, and plug it in and use it. And if that eco, and you know, some people have complained, oh, you know, plugins won't be free or, or whatever. But listen, I mean, the amount of time that it will save you from having to try and reinvent the wheel and do this yourself is just ridiculous. Yeah. And creating that ecosystem where, uh, you know, people like you are going to go in there and make stuff that other people can use. It just, it raises the bar in terms of what you can make and how quickly you can make it. Yeah. I think what it does is it, makes it reasonable to have sort of inexpensive plugins because there's always going to be free plugins. Like my plugins Absolutely. are free because I don't want to be on the hook for supporting them. So I, right. I can't charge. I try to support them, but I don't want to be on the hook and they're small. Right. And then if you have a, you're still on the hook. You know, well, <laughs> it's, people are still going to complain even if you don't, Support and update the free plugin. That's true, like but my, my feelings about blowing <laughs> them off would be different. That's and, true. That's you know, true. if you're writing a plugin like commerce or something, then clearly yeah. you're going to charge for that. And you're probably going to charge enough for that that it's kind of worth the hassle of dealing with charging for it. But if you have a little plugin mm -hmm. that is like a hassle for you to have written and it's a bit of a hassle you know you're willing to be on the hook for it but not for free it's just a sort of a smallish plug-in you know the five to fifty dollar plugins then mm -hmm. you can have them in the app store and they're not a horrific challenge for anybody right and we didn't have that yeah. before. We had free plugins and free plugins that weren't too much of a hassle to update because you get the little notification that it needs updating and you'd go download a new one and update it and it wasn't too bad. And then there were the, you know, humongous ones like Commerce that, of course, they're a big deal. But then there, you know, the little ones that, ah, oh, this one, Craft 2, oh, this plugin and it needs to be updated and who has the license and how do I, you know, just to run right. around every time the things got updated. Well, we did we did have paid plugins even back uh, in Craft too, but they it, it was kind of fragmented, right? You know, there would be a couple islands where you could buy you could buy them from, and there was no centralized place. Um, but I think you made a really good point, uh, Marion, about you know the primary reason why you're not wanting to charge for these is support. Um, I, I really think that when you're developing. A, a product that people are using, especially when they're using it in a uh, professional capacity, like people are uh, agencies and freelancers are using uh, Craft CMS and Craft CMS plugins. I think what you're really buying when you're buying the plugin is you're buying the support and the updates. Mm -hmm. Like that's the important part, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And we as developers are like, oh, the code's the most important. But I, I think for a lot of people, that's not the case. I think the support and the updates are what where the real value well, is. Well, the peace of mind. Yeah. 
well, how many times have you worked on something and it's uh, it's an open source project that the the person got bored of or, you know, they're onto a new job and they're not maintaining it or whatever. Um, and it, it doesn't work anymore. And, you know, there's some cost involved there too. If I'm working on a project and something that it depends on, if that person isn't incentivized to maintain it, I mean, that, that can be kind of painful. I, I went through that with, um, especially in the expression engine world where a lot of plugins were just mm. dead and, I mean, trying to upgrade the site was just, I mean, it was almost a non-starter. Yeah, you know? that's, I mean, Drupal, every single Drupal project, because of their licensing, essentially you can't make proprietary Drupal plugins. Everything has to be, what is it, um, LGPL, uh, you know, whatever it is that basically yeah. it's a, you know, a, a contagious must-make open source license. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you build on, source, on top of Drupal, which is open source, you have to make whatever you make open source, or you can charge for it, but then other people could sell it for free if they want and give it away. Um, and yeah, you, you'd frequently see modules that had, you know, issues that had been on there for years. You'd see people, you know, different open source contributors who mean well, but literally discussing the best way to fix a bug for a year or two. <laughs> and, and you're like, I just need it to work now. And can I pay you? Or, and, and, you know, it's nice to have you know, people be incentivized and make it easy for them to roll out updates. And yeah, it's, it's a great ecosystem. Yeah, the, the only thing worse than designed by committee is development by committee. <laughs> like literally, it's the only thing worse than that. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean to come off as negative towards open so- source software because I love it. And there have been some absolutely fantastic uh, open source software projects. Um, but you have to understand that most of the major open source uh, projects are funded by uh, companies that employ full-time developers that it's in their best interest to kind of maintain this communal thing. And when you're looking at smaller things, like smaller ecosystem things, um, that can be a little bit more difficult. So um, probably we went off on yet another tangent, but I'm good at that. <laughs> well, I think um, we're going to see perhaps a trend now in, in the plugin store. I saw that uh, Freeform, uh, sorry, Salspace have released freeform payments i think they called it today which is essentially a an add-on plugin for freeform where you can accept payments um so i right. i think i believe that pixel tonic are kind of working on making this possible natively where you can you can sell features in a plugin so rather than have to you know create a, a new plugin that that adds right. on to an existing plugin uh, it'll be a little bit like the um, what is it in-app purchases that you can do uh, in in iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I imagine there'll be a trend towards that where you can sell features of the plugin. Right. Um, so you only have to buy you know the features that you will use. Yeah, they're additions, calling it additions, yeah. and it's going to be in the. This is from the horse's mouth. It is going to be in the three point one release. I'm so excited for 3.1. It's not even funny. Well, yeah. yeah. Didn't yeah. he say that's what they're planning? Or yeah. was that definite? He said, he, the man, <laughs> Brandon, said that will be in 3.1. I <laughs> saved a screenshot of it. I have I have evidence. I have, Put in your blackmail back, folder. Yep. I have backed it up to multiple locations. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So well, it's well there. time will tell okay. what, how that works. Nice. But, um, but what what that will enable is also offering a free version, which would be nice, you know, a kind of scaled Absolutely. down version yes. of a plugin. So people, maybe p- 
people who are using the solo edition, you know, or just have a very small site and they only need a small subset of the functionality that that a plugin offers, then perhaps it makes sense that they would be able to use a free a free edition of the plugin. The, the hard the hard part I have with that is it's it's actually really hard for me as a, a plugin de- developer to think of where the line is, right? Because you want there to be enough there that it's actually useful, but not enough there that they would never buy the the full or, or pro edition. And then also by making the, the free edition, you are kind of inherently uh, supporting it, right? Like I, I know that, you know, hey, it's free. You don't really need to support it, but you, you kind of have to, to some extent or another. You know, if someone posts a question on your GitHub issue page, like you, you can't be looking up whether they have a valid paid non-free version license, like you're just going to answer it. Well, whenever I have, you know, an ambiguous thought like that, I I look at how Pixel and Tonic and Craft have done it. And I believe their their solo edition, you're only really supposed to use as the developer for your own website. You're not supposed to go build websites for other people and, you know, use the solo edition. So something along those lines, because, um, you know, if there's a developer who's using my plugins to build client sites, I would be happy to, to let them have a free version for their own website, right? Knowing that they're going to... Sure. Yeah. And yeah. and I think it's about supporting each other as well, in a sense, and still and still respecting that we're professionals here and we're, we're making a living out of this. Right. Yeah, and what I've said is just I will... I will follow Pixel and Tonic in terms of whatever their policy is. If they offer a discount for a particular NGO, then I'll offer them yeah. the same discount. You know, I'm just letting, uh, kind of letting, or I'm, I'm waiting for them to roll out support for that. That's something that they have also uh, yeah. been planning to do. But kind of getting back to the the concept of uh, using Craft CMS3 as a uh, application platform, like, how far can we get with it by just using Twig and off-the-shelf plugins? Well, um, you can get pretty far, as you already told us. Uh, you can you can build a whole API if you want to. Um, and as we said, with Craft3, you have access to the services. Um, but the question really is, is should, should you be doing it in the templates? Um, yes. And yeah. when your templates get overly complex, probably at that stage you need to reconsider you know would this be more suited to a plugin and for anybody who's you know afraid of uh getting into plugin development and you know writing php code it's it's really well i'm biased maybe but it's it's really not that difficult um i know that some people are saying well the docs are lacking and there aren't enough resources um but they're you know andrew you're putting out lots of stuff and I can't say much, but uh, by the end of this month, I'll be also putting out some more uh, learning resources. So, um, and this plugin factory as well. So, so I, I think there are enough resources. Um, it's just a matter of kind of getting over that hurdle of okay, I'm going to start writing PHP code, and I'm going to start interacting with Craft, right. uh, not through Twig, not only through Twig, but also also through the services directly uh, with PHP code. Yeah, and this is where uh, if you are a designer developer or you know typically a front end developer, this is kind of where you make your choice for a particular project. And your choice is: uh, Do I write something custom? Do I invest the time in getting up to speed, doing uh, you know learning PHP and doing 
craft plugins, um, or do I just use a service? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, isn't that the the choice that a lot of people are making these days? Like you by know, service, you mean like a, a third party hosted service, or yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I'm let's say I'm doing Jamstack development, so their model is that you're you're not really going to have any uh, custom code running on the back end. You're just going to plug services mm-hmm. in, right? So if I want to do uh, campaigns, I'll, I'll plug into uh, Mailchimp, or uh, or I'll uh, I'll integrate with Salesforce because that's what our marketing team uses, and and that's sort of the the choice that you face is well, am I going to do? Does it make sense for this project uh, to write something custom, uh, or does it make sense to use a service? Right. And it's I mean the answer is different for every project. Yeah, it absolutely is. I'm I'm a big advocate of bringing things into the content management system if they are related to the content that already exists in there. Uh, mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, these software as a service um, platforms offer a huge amount of benefit um, because you don't need to reinvent the wheel and they're, you know, they're maintaining the, the software. They're also maintaining the hardware. Um, so you know that you're going to get in most cases, a good user experience. The drawback, of course, and the big complaint that comes is, well, you got to pay your monthly fees, and those can really right. add up. Um, you know, if, if you're using Mailchimp and sending to, um, I don't know, tens of thousands of um, subscribers every month, that can really add up. Um, I, I well, and I think there's also a customization element to it too, yeah. right? Like a lot of these services are quite good, but there also are times where a client wants something very specific and maybe they'll they'll chafe against uh, what is offered by that particular service. Right. Yeah. Good luck writing a, a feature request to MailChimp and having it uh, right. added right. in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... Now I'm going to tell Salesforce I want them to add this particular custom feature I want. I'm sure they'll get right back to it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's the big benefit of you know a plugin. You have full control over it, um, and you can make any customizations you need. Um, but it can be a lot of work, right? Depending on the complexity. Um, and in the beginning stages, you you need to consider: Do I do I you know outsource this, or uh, am I able to build this myself, or does a plugin exist? Um, because very often, um, if there's a plugin that exists, it does something similar but not quite. Um, you right. know, just contact the developer. Maybe, uh, maybe they would be happy to take on a, a project where they build a custom version for you. And, and that's where I think it gets back to what we were talking about before in terms of where Craft sits on this spectrum of building custom apps. Is it? Let's say we put uh, Laravel uh, kind of over on the super custom side, mm-hmm. and I realize that there are tools to uh, get you up to speed, and that there are uh, different frameworks you can use for it. Um, and then all the way over on the other side might be just a, a prefab service that would you would use. The interesting thing about Craft to me is that it sits right in the middle, right? Mm. So if you need just a little bit of customization, great, go in. You can do whatever little uh, customization you want and you can leverage Craft for the rest of it, right? Mm. If you need lots of customization, go ahead. The whole Y2 framework is there customize it to your heart's content and you can come up with something um, super custom. So, I mean, that's the, the kind of nice thing uh, to me about it is that you can, if I'm starting a new project in Laravel, yes, I can leverage a lot of things that are out there, but there's still for certain projects, a lot that I will be doing on my own. And for craft, I can just use it and I can uh, 
do custom stuff for as much or as little as is needed for that project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the concerns that comes up, uh, this is something I hear sometimes, well, what about performance, you know? Will will building a craft plugin uh, perform as well as, you know, an app built on Laravel? Um, so again, to go back to what we were saying earlier, craft is built on top of the Yi framework. So uh, the Yi2 mm -hmm. framework, uh, especially since version two, uh, performs very well, uh, scales very well. Oh, that's amazing. And mm -hmm. uh, has extensibility uh, built in. So you're getting, you're still working with a PHP framework that's very performant. Um, there is a there is a little bit of bloat, I will say, when you start building craft plugins. Um, sure. But, uh, only, but only when you're leveraging the, the craft APIs, which you may or may not need to do, depending on what you're exactly, doing. Exactly, yeah. And performance is something that, you know, um, I think there's uh, a few misconceptions about it. I mean, performance is important, of course, but not in every situation, right? Like sometimes if you're just loading a page that gets gets loaded every once in a while, it doesn't need to load in half a second. Um, but performance is important in, to address in the right situations. Uh, and Craft does offer the ability to do that. You can use you know, the native active records, or you can just write your own queries um, using the query builder. Uh, and that's one thing I was actually surprised by in the beginning when I was looking at the craft code, that they often, rather than working with active records, I know I'm getting a bit technical here, but they will use the form, the query builder, uh, and that's for performance reasons. Yeah, exactly. So you have yeah. options, and it's it's um, you know when you when you get into it, then it's important to uh, to understand what the performance hits of uh, doing things in different ways are. Yeah, I, I think you said it really well. And again, for me, it just kind of hits the sweet spot in terms of the uh, what you get for free and then also the flexibility. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not, you get a lot of times there are frameworks out there or CMSs out there that you get a lot of stuff for free, but then you're very kind of confined to what is there. Um, and that's really not the case with, with Craft 3, which is what I think, uh, what I really like about it. You know, I can build anything from a brochure site to a totally custom app using the same tool and not bending it into something that it shouldn't be doing. Hello, WordPress, right. you know? <laughs> and hello, writing the whole yeah. thing in Twig. Mm -hmm. and, or, or, yes. Okay. Well, I would oh, do Marianne. that. I would That's do a, that. That was too. a headshot. <laughs> But but also and not writing the whole thing custom, whether it's in Laravel or it's in, uh, or, in Nodes or, or whatever, you know, or just yeah. And I, <laughs> I I saw a project where they were actually building something rather substantial on just pure PHP, and it, it was it made me want to vomit. <laughs> like some of the stuff that I saw in there. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it can't be done, but Jesus, why? <laughs> You know, there's so many good frameworks that you could build stuff on these days. I don't well, That's get kind it. of what a framework is, I think, is it's, it gives you a way to organize your code. It gives you a framework where you can plug in your stuff. And if you don't have a framework where you can plug in your stuff, that's fine, but you'd better be pretty damn organized all on your own or you just end up with a chaotic mess. Well, and it gives you it gives you a base, though. It, it takes care of like these basic things like, you know, 
security and database injections and it's just all these things that no no one should be just rewriting that every time. Right. You it know? gives you the it gives you the low level or a a level and right. it gives you support and guidance for how to extend it. Yeah, I think right. that's that's a really good point, Marion. Um when it comes to consistency, right? Because when you start with a framework like like Yi or Laravel, you can do things any way you want, which you know sounds wonderful uh, until you sit down to code something and you're like, oh, how should I actually structure my code and my classes? And mm-hmm. you don't need to do it in Craft 3. Uh, in Craft 2, it was a, a bit more of a rigid plugin system. But in Craft 3, you can, you know, you can have your directories and folders structured however you want and your classes too. Um, but what I very often do is I just refer to the craft code base and I say, I look at, well, how did they, how did pixel and tonic do it? And they're the authority as far as I'm concerned on building plugins uh, or anything in craft. So how did they do it? Um, how are they structuring their code and their models and their records and their services, etc.? cetera. Um, and, and you almost have, you know, something to model to say, okay, well that's, you know, that's how pixel and tonic are doing it. I don't have to do it that way. But at least I have a starting point, and if I need some guidance, I just go look there. And consistency, as we know, yeah. is is very important in in software development. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And let, let me give you a, a real world example because you you can, uh, as I've been mentioning, you can leverage what's there or you cannot, depending on the application. So, a uh, perfect example is uh, Retor, which is a plugin that I just came out with for doing. Uh, 404 redirects, right? And I could have leveraged the craft APIs and I could have made um, every redirect could be an element uh, and every uh, redirect statistic could be an element. But holy crap, would that be slow, right? (laughs) Um, And also to very little benefit, Mm -hmm. right? Because you don't really, you not really want to relate a 404 statistic to anything else, you know, a product maybe. Yeah. Commerce you know? product as it's 404 but, but, statistics. Related. But then when a bot, when a bot starts hitting your site oh, it's and a terrible you're, idea. and you're, and you're generating. And so what I did is, yes, I could have made a custom element type and I could have used all that, but I said, that's stupid. Like for this, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to get a real benefit out of it. So I just did exactly what you were talking about, Ben, where um, I'm using uh, or I'm creating DB queries to just read just what I want and just write just what I want um, so that it can be performant. And that's a case of uh, what I've been mentioning in terms of the APIs are there if it makes sense to use them, but you don't have right. to. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Speaking of performance, I'm curious how long that confetti feature took you to build. <laughs> ah, so... The, the confetti itself <laughs> took me about five seconds. The, because that, that is just a, uh, it's a Vue.js mm-hmm. component, right? So all I had to do was yarn add the component and do a little bit. The, the Webpack config that I had to, to make for the back end, that took me a couple <laughs> of weeks. <laughs> but, but I spent a ton of time learning Webpack, learning how it works, and now I have a really nice framework that I can use for all of my plugins that I can just bring um, E2 components mm-hmm. in. Uh, sorry, I can bring uh, Vue.js 2 components in 
I can leverage work other people have done. I can get a nice UI up and working pretty quick. Um, so, I mean, I consider that worth it. But the confetti itself, very easy. The the work to get the confetti there, very hard. <laughs> I think that... that Go ahead. What confetti? So if you... Oh, Marion, that oh. means you haven't installed any of my plugins lately. So if you go to um, any of my plugins except for SEOmatic, because mm-hmm. I have some backporting to do, mm-hmm. when you install them, you'll you'll get a surprise. That's all I'm going to tell you. Ah, okay. Okay, <laughs> what, what you get for paid plugins. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. <laughs> hey, someone's got to pay for the confetti, Marion. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think this does bring us to a good uh, point, though, or, or a good uh, next topic, is what can you do inside the uh, control panel in terms of styling and, and in terms of CSS and JavaScript and uh, markup? Mm-hmm. Um so this comes up quite often, actually. People are asking, well, what is what is the JavaScript framework that Craft uh, is using? And, you know, it's uh, it's been called Garnish. And uh, people are asking, you know, well, how do I how do I use it? Where is the documentation? And so forth, also with, with style sheets and style guides. So, um, mm-hmm. so it would be interesting, Andrew, to, to hear a little bit about how easy or difficult it was for you to drop uh, Vue.js in. Um, but in terms of, you know, dropping in your own CSS or, or JavaScript libraries, I imagine it to be quite simple. Well, <laughs> if I chose to make my life easy, then yes, it would have been pretty easy to do. But I was working on a kind of a larger skill uh, enhancement for myself where I really wanted to learn Webpack. I really wanted to be uh, writing everything in ES6 plus or uh, maybe even TypeScript. And I also really wanted uh, to do dynamic code splitting. I wanted to be able to do async module loading. I wanted to be able to have uh, both legacy uh, JavaScript bundles with um, ES5 compiled code and polyfills and all that, as well as modern ES6 plus bundles. So the the route to get there was a, a good bit of learning and development work on my end to make that happen. Um, but I consider it well spent because the same Webpack config that I'm using for plugins, I'm uh, using for mm-hmm. front-end sites as well because I get all the same benefits for the same reasons. Now that I have done all that uh, and I've got a config that I like, super easy to, to spin these up and to just add things and, and right. get stuff going. Um, you don't have to do all that, right? I mean, uh, in order to get this stuff in there, you don't have to do that. Craft uh, actually even provides um, Yi2 in a uh, in a Yi asset bundle. So you can just say, I depend on this, and it will be loaded in. Um, and that's because they're using Yi2 in the back end for the plugin store and for some other things. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a hard question to answer because I, I went off into the weeds to do all this stuff. Mm. Um, but just to get something in there and working without doing this stuff, not really, not bad at all. I mean, you just, you know, you can use include JS or you can do, uh, uh, put a script tag in there and kind of away you go. Right. Yeah. And the nice thing is that you can also access all of crafts, uh, form fields, uh, through their, their form macro that, that unfortunately is not documented. Um, I have a, a plugin available, which is for free. It's called Plugin UXD, which is um, 
the idea is that it tackles that issue and it helps you to build a U user experience uh, in your plugins. Um, the issue I've had is that people don't really understand how it works and what it does. So I've kind of I've created a new one uh, which I've called CP Style Guide. Um, I just have to <laughs> write the documentation for that and and put it out there. But that will be I could do it today even. Um, but that kind right, of you heard it here first, everybody. Ben is doing it today. It's going to be released today. Is today is Monday, right? September. <laughs> today is Friday, September fourteenth. All right, go ahead. So essentially, it's kind of you know, it's it's kind of something that's just um, it's usually there for for content management systems, a style, a general style guide that you can follow, um, and. And uh, this plugin would just allow you to see how to build out those various form fields. So anything from you know a text field to a uh, an element select field or a table field or yeah. Uh, so here is here is what I ended up doing. So um, in the same Retor plugin, one of the features that has been highly requested is the ability to import CSV files. Right. So needed a way for people to click on a file and then I, I needed a way for them to map, you know, what field would go to what other mm -hmm. field. Um, cause they may not be in the same order and you got to drag them around and some may not be, you know, whatever. And I, for a minute, I thought about maybe delving into garnish and figuring out how to do that via garnish. Mm -hmm. And then I just said, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I ended up using uh, view to do it. And I, I did that because I, I know Vue pretty well. Um, I'm definitely not an, an expert in it, but I know it pretty well. And there's some off-the-shelf components that make this stuff easier. And it ended up being so much less work uh, doing it that way. And I'm a big fan of not learning stuff that I can't that I can't use in other places. And if I get better at Vue, I can use that all over the place. Um, if I get really good at using garnish, that's one place that I can use it, yeah. you know? And I don't know. I mean, it, it's just that that's how I think about things. And that may be, may be a mistake, but I, I'm enjoy enjoying using view as my kind of, uh, development platform, uh, for the admin CP. Yeah. Now, obviously there's still some things that I do just using the, the form macros and that kind of thing. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I have to think that garnish isn't going to be around forever obviously if you want to get something built today it helps to to have it and do it the you know the the pixel and tonic way but i know there, there has been talk of the entire cp eventually going over to view or react or you know something within a you know a more robust javascript framework because yeah I, I have never tried to get into garnish because for that same reason like it's a whole lot of effort to learn something very particular that's not that well documented or really documented at all well, that's the that's the number one thing for me is there's no documentation. Right. Like and a yeah, I'm sure that there's no documentation <laughs> that lets them uh, but move on to something else at some point. Yeah, mm. that's that is true. Um, but for my and I believe me, I'm no stranger to reverse engineering things. I mean, I, I used to disassemble stuff and whatever. So I'm, I'm no stranger to doing that. But I just I don't want to. Yeah. You know, I, I want good docs so I can get it up and running. And then I also want something with a uh, community around it. And lots of people use these front-end frameworks. Um, and I can just go in there and ask them a question. And yeah, there are some very smart people um, in the craft community, like yourself, that knows a lot about Garnish. But the number is kind of small. 
you know, relatively speaking. Right. I, I wouldn't say I know a lot about garnish. I know uh, a few things about it because I use it uh, because I like to keep things consistent uh, in the right. you know, in the user experience. But I, yep. I think as Patrick says, yeah, it's just a matter of time before they, they, they move on to something that's a bit more ubiquitous and uh, has, you know, has documentation and it, it will likely be Vue.js. I think it's being used in the plugin store and craft ID. Yes. So yep. Yep. the same reason why we use craft CMS is why they probably are going to want to use some kind of a framework for the admin. Exactly. Safety. Yeah. And the same exact. Reason. This is pure speculation, but uh, I think that could be a candidate for, you know, craft four. Uh, so mm -hmm. rather than change anything under the hood, uh, yeah. Like they did for Craft Three, just kind of redo the the uh, the control panel in in a framework like Vue, for example. Yeah, it'll it'll have to be a major breaking change. So yeah, it would be a four or a five or you know whatever their their I don't know what their time schedules are, but yeah, right. So just going, back, I would fully support it. Yeah, you know, even though Absolutely. it would break all of my plugins, like I would rather them move on to something nicer in the long run uh, that breaks my stuff than uh, kind of do what happened with Ellis Labs and Expression Engine, where there were two overly concerned, uh, or I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what their reasoning was, but um, it, with maintaining kind of backwards compatibility, you know, I mean, at some point know, you, yeah. you got to break some stuff. You, you do. Know, at some point you just got to break it. Backwards yeah. compatibility is this kind of like double-headed snake or <laughs> whatever they say and right. um, because it sounds great right you know you can this is backwards compatible to php 5.3 so you know if you're if your server is running an old version of php you don't need to update um right but that means if you're writing software so if you're writing plugins for this then you need to make those assuming that you want to support uh, what the CMS supports, you also right. need to support 5.3, which means that you can't use any of the, the newer features of PHP, um, and 7 introduced a, a whole bunch of them, uh, and you're kind of stuck using legacy PHP, and you're not getting the yeah, benefits of, of, you know, of how far along that, that programming languages has come. Yeah, I mean, as soon as PHP 7 came out, like I was not spitting up anything that didn't use it because the performance benefits were just amazing. And I am so glad that they decided to make uh, PHP 7 a requirement for craft. Yeah. Like, I am so happy that they did that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so breaking changes and, and backwards compatibility, um, I think, yeah, when you bring out a new major version, uh, craft is using Semver, so which is semantic yep. versioning. That means um, they won't... You know, the, the 4.0 won't be released. Sorry, that means that when a 4... No, what am I trying to say? That there will be no uh, incompatible changes or breaking changes introduced until 4.0. Does that make sense? Let's hope. Did I say that correctly? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> you did. I just hope it happens. <laughs> but going back to what we were saying about, you know, bringing your own JS or, or CSS into the control panel, it is very easy to do. Um and it means that you don't have to depend on what's already there uh, and you don't have to learn garnish um but uh, as we all agree uh, it would be good to have some sort of unified uh maybe also css framework i don't know but uh, certainly a javascript framework that's documented and um yeah i know they're using tailwind uh for in addition to using vue 2 
um, they're using Tailwind for the plugin store and and some other things. So I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll end up using that for it. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, I mean, standards are good because then you have, uh, in this case, you know, just like we like the fact that we have smart people at uh, Pixel and Tonic that are maintaining the CMS. Um, with the C, uh, with the JavaScript frameworks, you are glad that you have smart people like Evan Yu and the other core maintainers for Vue. Same thing applies for React. Um, and then with Tailwind CSS, you have smart people like um, Adam Watham, who we've had on, that is maintaining that. And you get the benefits of that, right? Yeah. You have smart people that are really good at their their specialized thing and are motivated to keep it updated and to maintain it. And then you don't really have to worry about it. Right. <laughs> In an ideal world, Pixel and Tonic are working on on Craft and not on the JS uh, framework that's powering it. And right. right, they're adding new content management features. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's I kind of get to something related to that, which is what about using, especially with the advent of Jamstack and a lot of people are uh, are going that route, um, we can use Craft as a, a headless CMS too, right? Yeah, we can. Do you want to define what a headless CMS is or has that been on the show before? It's probably been on the show, but we probably should do it. So a headless CMS basically... Um, it manages, uh, and you can correct me, but this is my own internal definition. Um, a headless CMS is one that it maintains the content, but it's not responsible for rendering it at all. It just provides the content via an API. Yeah, that sounds exactly right. I mean, craft, we know craft as the, you know, the content management experience plus, Mm -hmm. plus twig, uh, the templating language, but you could actually just not bother with twig and use craft to manage your content. And then use an API to get that content into whatever app you've built, uh, like a Jamstack app, to display it or do whatever you want with it. Yeah, and lots of people are doing that, right? I mean, because the it isn't to say that you know, quote unquote, traditional development is dead, um, because I, I don't think it is at all. Uh, but lots of people are using uh, these front end frameworks, and there more and more people are um, using Craft kind of as an API server. Yeah. So that they can they can use whatever their front end uh, development language of choice is, and then also they get the benefit of if they end up wanting to write a native iPhone app. Well, hey, we've already got a content server mm-hmm. that it can pull the content from, right. you know, o- or any other thing. And often it's not one or the other. You know, often you'll have you'll yep. have templates, but you'll also have an app somewhere else, like a a, yep. a native app somewhere, and it's it's getting the content from the API. So those can both work in sync. Yeah. And when we say API, like what are we talking about? What are our options when it comes to Craft CMS? So natively we have, well, we could use Twig templates, but let's not talk about that. But natively we have (laughs) the Element API, which is a native uh, Craft plugin. And then we have Craft QL, which you've discussed on the Mm -hmm. show. Yeah, and those are really the two major ones. I mean, yeah, like Michael has discussed before, you can create your own kind of API-ish thing with Twig, but like I've done it and don't do it. (laughs) It's it's doable, but it's (laughs) just don't. Um, So you can use the Element API to make it, or you can use uh, what I have uh, in preferring these days is um, using GraphQL uh, with Mark uh, Hewitt's awesome GraphQL Mm -hmm. plugin. Um, and that opens up the doors where, you know, you can use something like Gatsby 
and you can have it talking to craft and craft is serving uh, craft is where the nice friendly admin CP that your marketing team, um, you know, enters stuff into. And then Gatsby takes care of pulling in that data via the API and building a static site that gets, you know, the distributed via Netify or, or Netify. Sorry. I always say that wrong. That's another one that I always say wrong. Um, but yeah, there's some pretty amazing stuff that you can do with that. And I think that, uh, I'm really enjoying doing that kind of uh, development work. Yeah. And if you find yourself need, needing something a bit more specific, then you can always just uh, create a plugin, have a controller yep. action. Um, you know, it's good practice to at least have an API key or something to authenticate that call and return, you know, whatever you need to return. I was going to say, uh, I, I would just, I, I've been talking a ton. I wanted to make sure that I gave one uh, of Patrick a chance to to jump in here and, either say anything or, or, or ask any kind of questions that have come up in your mind from the, the conversation. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I have done a little bit on this end. Uh, we had a, a project where we were using Craft as the store for content for the marketing ends of things, but then actually most of the data was actually coming off of AWS Lambda endpoints and all that. Mm-hmm. We, we ended up using Craft. We still used it for its templating engine, um, but then we're doing everything through pulls of, um, you know, off to Lambda, we were using, you know, Ajax pulls to the Element API, you know, we're never actually rendering craft fields through, uh, um, you know, through the, through Twig. It was really just being used as a way to handle routing. Um, It's a hub. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a, it was a really cool project in in a lot of ways. Um, You know, I think it, it comes down to, you know, does someone want to be tied to craft forever for the life of their application? Um, I personally have no problem with that. It's a good team behind it. Um, yeah, you know, you don't have to worry about things languishing out there for a long time or constantly having major, major breaking changes except for maybe major versions. Um, yeah, and it was, yeah, it was a really positive experience for for us. Yeah, it's interesting you said that about being married to craft. I mean, I think your typical website or website or web app it's not like a marriage like it's not for life like these things have a um a shelf life yep. and i think if you get five years out of your website like you're pushing it like that's yeah. impressive that you've done that right yep. so i don't think it's a a huge long-term commitment but if you do sort of accept the idea of um using it more as an api server i mean then you're even less coupled to it yep. you know yeah and even then i mean you're yeah. always making a decision about you know joining up with something, whether it's Laravel or yes, it is, mm-hmm. or you know, it's Django or anything else, you, you know, you're, you're, you know, it's a bad idea to be hooking up, you know, it, just trying to run something in vanilla PHP because you're going to, you know, lose out on, on getting all that benefit um, with craft. You're getting the benefit of Yi, um, you know, having all of its mature um, stuff under the hood. And then also craft, just giving people a kind of a top notch uh, user experience for entering content. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I've heard people, and uh, I think it was Matt Stouffer at uh, at Piers a couple of years back saying, you know, if you're if you're building an application, don't do it on a, um, you know, don't do it on a content management system. It, it, you know, at some point, it's going to come back and haunt you. And I mean, that almost sounds like Ben with going back to EE two and 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 doing things like that. But yeah, I think because Craft can get out of the way so much of the rest of Ye, you know, to me it. it definitely augments ye and doesn't need to be the be all end all that other CMSs tried to be. 
I, I was at that when he gave that presentation. I remember asking him, why not? Like, why, why can't it be built on And that? I remember there were a couple oh. of really nice guys from down in Florida. Um, uh, Stream Monkey, I think the company's name was. And um, Expression Engine was running their project. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> um, um, fantastic people. But uh, yeah, yeah. But you're right, though. I mean, I think things have changed to some extent that you really can build the kind of thing that you could build on Laravel. You can do that on craft because you're, you're essentially, you're building a Yee app and it's no different um, other than it's a different framework from building a Laravel app. Um, it's just a question of whether the project, um, as Ben was saying, is con- content centric. And if you really get the benefit out of having a, uh, a nice admin CP content modeling and all that kind of good stuff. And, some projects you don't, and that's fine. You know, use Laravel, use E2, use Node. You know, whatever makes sense for it. Um, but a lot of projects I've seen, I've seen people build them custom Laravel apps and spend an inordinate amount of time building or rebuilding like an admin UI. Right um, now, I think that's been addressed somewhat with Laravel Nova, um, but still, you're kind of building this stuff custom and. For every project, you know how much of that is needed, and for some, yes, that kind of customizability is is super important, and it's worth doing it. Um, but for others, you may be spending more time working on the content modeling and the admin CP than you are working on the actual <laughs> app, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, that's not good right. at all. Um, Marion, I wanted to make sure that I gave you uh, a, a chance to to chime in here and give us your. Uh, thoughts and, and questions and My such. My pearls of wisdom. I'm not coming up with any right now. Yes. Um, but no, no more dripping wax no, CSS? You know, <laughs> that was a it was one. a good one. Yeah. Well, there was something that uh, Patrick said that reminded me of a project I worked on. I believe this was in, okay. in Craft One. Uh, so a company came to me and they wanted to... Um, they wanted me to build uh, this app for them that would uh, do a, a bunch of things with the Twitter API. And it would allow you to, you'd give access to this app and it would check all of your contacts and all of your tweets and all of your messages and everybody you're following and who the, who they're following. It was very complex, uh, but they wanted it. Uh, so they wanted a prototype. And I was like, well, you know, if it's a prototype, maybe we build it on, on craft because we get, you know, the admin panel and, and, a bunch of stuff for free, mm-hmm. um, but very likely um, it's not going to be as performant as we need, and it's not going to be to scale right. to that point. We probably going down the line, we'll we'll bring this over to a different framework. So uh, I built this out for them, and what we found was that it was actually working really well. And this was on Ye One, so it wasn't as fast as as, mm. as it is now. That's yeah, I was surprised myself, and they were really happy with the user experience. And they were like, "Well, we're happy with the control panel. It feels really nice, and you know, it can even sit along our website, although it was on a different, uh, it was in, on a different server, because it was uh, doing so much uh, crunching and processing." Um, and actually, what happened was that we exceeded the uh, the allowance for our Twitter API. And that thing gets quite expensive uh, when you get into high numbers, oh, yeah. and they they didn't have the budget for that. So, so it actually wasn't a limitation of the technology that we were using. It wasn't a limitation of craft or ye. Um, it was actually uh, for a different reason. But that really showed me um, what it was capable of 
and we know that uh, right. you know that that was uh, that was likely using I don't know PHP five point six. Uh, it was using E one and Craft one. So that's amazing that on PHP five, on E one and Craft yeah. one, that it was performant. Like that's yeah, impressive. so that gave me a lot of confidence in 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 that stack that I was using, and now I wouldn't give it a second thought because I know that uh, you know I can if I need to bypass uh, anything that the craft is doing that's slowing it down, and I can just uh, build it right on top of Yi. I'm going to get all the performance yeah. benefits. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Yi two is an incredibly robust, robust enterprise grade incredibly performant yeah. framework you know it really is um and use it when it makes sense to use it and use craft when it makes sense to yeah. use craft and going back you know? to what i said in the beginning that that's kind of why when i'm you know when somebody brings me a, a request for a, an application or a project i have to ask myself the question well is there any reason that this would not uh the craft would not be the right tool for this job yeah and i've run into that too and there have been cases mm -hmm. where it was not Right, which is fine, <laughs> you know. Not everything is going to fit in there, um, and I think everyone is, you know, they they kind of have a bias to use whatever technology they're used to, right? Like if you approach a developer that has experience in PHP, they're going to want to write it in PHP. If they know Go, they're going to want to write it in Go. If they they do JavaScript, they're going to want to write it in Node. And and yes, all of these things can be uh, built either well or poorly using anything. Um, but I'm a big fan of kind of standing on the shoulders of giants. And when people have done a really good foundation for me, I look for reasons to leverage that, you know? Yeah. And I think that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. I'm Marianne Nullivant. And Ben, our special guest, thank you for coming on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful talking with you. I yeah. think we're going to have to do it again. Absolutely. Congratulations. Thanks to all of my tangents. I think we just did the longest <laughs> podcast that we have ever done. <laughs> I'm sure there have been longer. And we could know. go on, right? We could go on. We definitely could.